to How Have You Not Seen That. My name is Wilson. I'm Charles. And I'm Crossman. Uh, How Have You Not Seen That is a podcast um, where we discuss movies that we have not seen but have lied about seeing. So I think we have all experienced that moment where someone has asked if you have seen a certain movie and you want to come across as cooler or more informed or more with it. So you've lied, you've fetched the truth, you've not responded in an appropriate way. Um, and we are mending those errors, we are fixing those lies, and we are admitting to what movies we have not seen. This week, it was Crossman's turn to confess, and he told us that he has not seen Smokey and the Bandit. So, Crossman, tell us about Smokey and the Bandit. It's from 1977, stars Burt Reynolds, Sally Fields, and Norman Reed, I think, is the third guy. Jackie Gleason. Oh, and Jackie Gleason. Yeah, oh, the bad guy. Yeah, I'm thinking about Cletus though. The, oh, the oh, okay. Uh, Jerry Reed. Jackie Gleason is in this though. Yes, Jerry yeah. Reed. Jerry Reed. Yeah, it's very much of its time. Um, <laughs> the so the bandit is a sort of like known driver. Yeah, I guess. Burt Reynolds character. Some rich guy decides that well, they're having like some sort of like party. Like like yeah, party like car party. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a car party. And they they would like to drink some Coors to to celebrate after their car party. And it is the banquet beer after it, all. Yes, it is the banquet beer. So, but at the time, moving Coors across state border east of the Mississippi is is illegal. It's bootlegging. So, yeah, it's, it is bootlegging, which which is a true fact in, about history. Hires the bandit to bootleg some Coors back to. Georgia, I believe, from Texas. Mm -hmm. In 28 hours. In in 20 hours, because they need it by the end of the festival. And if he's able to get it in 28 hours, he gets $50,000. He gets $80,000. Yeah, a ton of money. Yes. So the bandit uh, is enticed by this amount of money, mm -hmm. uh, and he goes and visits his trucker friend, Cletus. Yeah, the snowman. Uh, and snowman is also convinced by this amount of money. <laughs> um, so they don't really explain it, but their plan is that um, the bandit would drive in a sports vehicle ahead of the truck, figure out where all the cops are so that the truck could speed. Uh, yeah, it could speed and make it back in time to to uh, to get like De the delivering. Yeah, 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 the course. So they they go to they drive to Texas immediately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They steal a bunch of cores from like a warehouse there and then proceed to drive it back. They run into Sally Field who has escaped from a doomed wedding where she was the bride and she like hitchhikes with the bandit and then hijinks ensue and they drive back to Georgia. Yeah, well, and they uh, There's like a bunch of like chase along. stuff. There's a sort of like stereotypical Southern sheriff Mm -hmm. Who whose son is the like groom to be? So he's like very mad about this, and and he chases them across the the country, uh, back to back to Georgia. Bunch of driving happens. Uh, <laughs> right. There's there's sort of like a bunch of like comedy vignettes like mm -hmm. in here. There's like a sort of like trucker subculture that they seem to like tap into to like make some of these things happen. Everyone has a CB radio. They got a bit yeah. of like a John Wick thing going. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everybody is in. Yeah, they really do. And and uh, they make it with like 10 minutes to spare. And then they offer the bandit like another job on like a double or nothing bet. Yeah, so to go get clam chowder from so yeah, Boston. For Boston. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Charles, had you seen this before? I had not. Okay. Uh, what, what did had we... You, had you seen it No, this was new. Okay, this is fresh for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Holy a shit. unique viewing. experience so far. Yes. What did, yeah, Charles, what did you think about it? 
I'd say I, it was fun. Like, it, it had some issues, and it was maybe a bit repetitive at points, but I thought it was a fun time. Yeah, yeah that, that seems about right. I loved it. Like, this yeah. was really? Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked by that. <laughs> I had a blast. Yeah, like, I would not expect you to enjoy this kind yeah, of movie. Yeah, no, this movie was phenomenal. I thought <laughs> it was really good. I laughed the whole time. Bert Reynolds was charming. The Jackie Leeson character, like, hit just the right notes for me. I loved, like, the weird world building that they had going on with, like, yeah. a CB radio that's issued at birth or whatever. Like, yeah, I thought this movie was a, a total hoot. I loved it. It was great. I'm wow. shocked by that. Yeah. 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 What did you think? I, I I didn't think it was very good. No, I thought it was really good. I liked it a lot. I um I uh, I I liked the driving part, yeah. like the stunt driving. Although little <laughs> vignettes, so I was just like, I'm bored by this and I see the punchline coming a million miles yeah, I, away I, every I single time. Didn't give a shit. Like, and, of course yeah. you did. Who cares? <laughs> and that kind of like turned me off. I actually like fell asleep. Uh, watch really? my first like watch through. Is... I had to like backtrack and like I missed, oh, I missed like the last like twenty minutes. <laughs> I woke up and they're like, "Why well, you go to Boston?" I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Why?" <laughs> um, oh, that that is surprising to me. So I read and rewatched the ending to I mean, get back to where it was. Whatever you expect to have happened is likely what happened. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like the focus on driving and when I think of like all the action parts of this, I. Uh-huh. I liked uh but the rest of it just felt like really of its moment and it's definitely like a little like time capsule of 1977 yeah. where like hitchhiking isn't dangerous fast cars are really cool trucking culture is cool apparently yes uh, <laughs> fast cars are still pretty cool <laughs> right <laughs> I, I, I feel like car culture's fallen off a lot though <laughs> where this is like the height of like american like muscle car yeah. yeah, 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 and you can you can build a movie hero around, you know, like you can drive this car really fast, really well, and avoid all the cops. We still got like the Fast and the Furious films now, and they yeah. handle it a bit differently, but you know, we yeah. still have a bit of that subculture going. I guess Fast and the Furious revived that in the early two thousands. Yeah, but then immediately abandoned it, yeah. like for like a I superhero suppose. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but it's still a car focused superhero movie. Yeah, I mean, I think where. It's survived was um, in Fury Road, where there are yeah. like all these like great references to like uh, Australian cinema and Australian car culture mm-hmm. is like done really well there. But beyond that, I I feel like this this feels like very much of a moment. Yeah, I think it, it definitely does is. not I mean, exist anymore. It, it, certainly not. And I, I like the time capsule approach to this movie. I like that it, it it does feel like this window into a world that probably never really existed. Um, but I, I like how confident it is in the fact of this world within the movie, right? Like yeah. that they have all this weird lingo that they use and like there's like rules set up that are kind of laid out at the beginning and then just followed or learned along the way. Like I, comparing it to John Wick, I think it's actually very apt, right? Like that there's <laughs> just, it, it, like, yeah, that everybody understands like how this works and like they're all on the same team and they work together and that's how how it goes that that comparison struck me as well actually to mm-hmm. to john wick that there's just like a, a, a culture of truckers that yeah. you know look out for each other and you know sort of exist mm-hmm. in this in this world yeah i love that the um, the hearse had a cb radio yeah no right <laughs> that was hilarious <laughs> so, of course they do and of course they're all like on board to like delay the funeral to cut off the route for for sheriff buford like that that was so good like it, it, so many of these little little moments like that. I think that's what got me the like the bad guy in this movie yeah. of Sheriff Buford seems so incompetent and yeah, he's a total doofus. And, like and, that's the point. Yeah, but yeah. 
but that that kind of like hurt it for me because I was like, oh, like I don't, I'm never worried about like Bandit like getting away. Like me neither. Like, but like that's no, no, I get that. But there's, yeah. there doesn't feel like there's any like stakes to it. Like, like if anything, like you know, he would just like catch a little bit of dust, and they would just never see Sheriff Buford again. And <laughs> like, well, it, it was strange how the movie progressed, and it didn't, it didn't feel like there was any real tension in the movie. It, to, for me, it felt like a hangout movie. Right, like of course there's not any tension in the movie. You know, like the the Burt Reynolds character is going to win and get the girl in the end, but it's like yeah, yeah. Let's just like spend ninety minutes with Burt Reynolds and his buddy and Sally Fields. Well, and I, just I, I wish, fuck around with this cop for a while. Like I wish it was because <laughs> like the cop the cop just doesn't feel necessary. I just like don't yeah. like this character. I don't find him funny. Oh really? Or, I, I got like, a kick out of him. He's not like a good foil to the main characters at all. Uh, I mean, he's a good foil for me in that he's a good target for their shenanigans, which is yeah. <laughs> which because he like he falls for it every time. He's like has this big dumb spastic response to every single one yeah. of them. Yeah. He really really wants to catch the guy and like doesn't understand why that isn't a reasonable thing to do. Yeah, and so like just him as like this you know cartoonish larger than life target. I think worked for me really well, and then like having his dopey son there to play off of, like that that <laughs> landed. Like I I thought that worked also. Like I, I enjoyed really? those jokes. Yeah. It was funny enough for me. That he's like holding his hat the whole time. Yeah, that cracked me up. That car. was funny. And that then was, he gets out of the car joke. and he keeps I'll, doing it. I'll yeah. give you that was a good that was a good joke. <laughs> That's a good gag. Yeah. <laughs> and he gives him a look like okay, we're, we don't need to do that anymore. I just yeah I I don't know like I was I felt more annoyed by the. The sheriff character, then I found him funny. Yeah, no, I, I think that was it was like the right amount of him, and did, like that they, they have that like quasi heat moment when they meet up in the restaurant. Like that was so good, and like they and he gets like like the strongest toilet paper in the world stuck to his yeah. shirt or his shoe or whatever it is, which was apparently Becky Gleason's idea. Yeah, to do that dumb joke where he walks all the way out of the restaurant <laughs> with the toilet paper on him. That that was excellent. Um, so yeah, I was, that that character was totally fine for me. I I, I liked him a lot. It, but, yeah, yeah. And then like, and then it's just Burt Reynolds being Burt Reynolds. Like he's barely acting in this movie. It's just like <laughs> oh, not at all. Yeah, being him. Like, I was surprised it. by the number of cheesy puns there were in this movie. Like I wonder if like dad comedy is because of this movie or something. I mean, he is like dad aged at this point. Like, yeah, exactly. He looks like a dad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember specific very... examples, but there's lots of cheesy puns. Yeah, well, my favorite one was when Sally Fields first shows up in his car, and he asks her like what she does for work, and she says, "Oh, I'm a professional." And she says, "Shouldn't you not be wearing white then?" And it's like, "Oh, that's a good gag. I get it." <laughs> um, I, I like Sally Fields in this movie too. I think that she was, she found her spot well. Yeah, she's she is good. Yeah. It plays off Burt Reynolds pretty well. Yeah, they they play off, and it's and she's not like cowed by him. She still has other things going on. Um, she like is able to express desire. Like she kind of makes the first move. Like I like that about it. I like that she's like making decisions, and like they are her decisions. I one thing I did like about the movie is that it definitely it's like it's a very anti-authoritarian yeah. movie. Like the, the bad guys are the cops. Sally Fields running away from like a shitty the institution. Real, yeah, 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 institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I found that like very enticing right. about this world. Well, and the, the yeah. cops are shown to be very stupid. Like almost <laughs> all of them are really dumb. They get the bamboozled every time. Yeah, they're, they're, they goof up every time. They're just worse at everything than Bernard Reynolds is. Yeah. And the only one that doesn't look stupid is the black cop. 
and he's the target of Buford's racism yeah. <laughs> immediately. And that's, yeah. I like that, too, that they just are totally, you know, bamboozled every single time. Right, like that dumb trick where he, like, inserts his car into the convoy of other semis. And then, like, the other one hides him as the cop yeah. drives by on the side of the road. Like, where'd he go? How did this happen? That was very good. Like, they catch the chief of police in, like, the trailer brothel, right? And, like, they have that whole, like, look at, here's two cops being stupid at the same time. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I thought that was great. I, I could just go on and on. Really A lot great. of cop cars getting waterlogged. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that is, again, very, like, late 70s of, like... Lots of cars being destroyed. It, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Especially like driving into lakes, driving into ponds. Yeah, <laughs> yes. reminiscent of uh, Blues Brothers. Well, it's hilarious because yes. then they have to get out of the car and they're all they're wet. All right? wet. <laughs> how did this happen? Yeah. See, that kind of humor just like, I don't, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I like that it, it owned it so well, right? Like they were just like so totally invested in that kind of dumb, dumb joke that I think that I was, I was with them for that bit and that like it was all just for a bunch of fucking beer like yeah like the whole thing is a but, joke but that was good about it too right yeah like the, the, it's like really like the low stakes nature of it is still <laughs> yes. like enticing because it's just like our mission is laid out so explicitly like yes. we just need some beer and we need it by, by this time this time and if you do that you get just give them an excuse to go really far and really fast yeah that's the whole thing and it's like so obviously that like yeah all, it's just an excuse to, to set that up yeah, I mean, like, when I was watching this movie, I made direct comparisons with... I talked about this earlier in the What You've Seen section about Vanishing Point, which is mm -hmm. another 70s, like, car chase movie. And it's basically, like, a serious version of Smokey and the Bandit. It's almost the exact same sure. plot. He just has a random reason to drive really far and really fast. Like, I think his... <laughs> The whole setup of the movie was he made a bet that he could drive to San Francisco within a short period of time. Yep. Right. And then he like dodges cops for the whole movie. <laughs> um, and um, it's and just very, it. yeah, it's just very transparent what they're trying to do to set up like a bunch of cool car scenes. Right. And like, you know, it, it does the job. Yeah. And the, the point I, is I, the I car like, scenes. Like the movie does that, but it also like sets up these good like back and forth moments with Sally Fields and Burt Reynolds or um, Jerry Reed and Burt Reynolds. Right. Like. Yeah, we we also get like a movie star in the middle of it. Yeah, right? like, I, I think Smokey just, and the Bandit was more effective at the non-car portions than Vanishing Point was. Right. So I think Vanishing Point had better car scenes, mm -hmm. um, but it kind of fell apart whenever they tried to get all like charactery and philosophical <laughs> stuff. And, it, right, and yeah. this movie isn't interested in that at all. It's like right. just exactly what you see is what you get. Like there's nothing much more going on here. Yeah, um, which I really appreciated about it. It was just a like a light fun watch and like happily anti-cop i'm like that's great <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 i'm in it at that point the, the movie is set up by these uh it's a father son duo right there's sort of these like southern oh yeah that are uh sort yeah. of wildly dressed characters yes um and their whole plan is pretty kooky because they're just like, hey, Bandit, we need some beer. And he's like, well, I'm not going to do it for you. And they're like, well, what if we gave you money? money. <laughs> In that case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And I kind of like that about it. And then he's like yeah. all in, and he like makes the same, essentially the same pitch to Jerry Reed to the yeah. snowman character. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you want to drive to Texas? No. Well, but there's eighty grand in it. And it's like, oh, in that case, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mention that. <laughs> that was very good. 
Um, and just like there's so many like nice there's so many good running gags like he's bringing his dog along the whole time it's like okay yeah the bloodhound yeah the Fred it's Fred, like yeah. sure like that 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 totally works right that he keeps running into all these eccentric weird characters and like you have the one that's like giving them tips about where the cops are as he's getting a ticket written for him like yeah. and like just dumb stuff like that throughout the movie and that it's this small story like makes the world feel bigger. Right, that it's like here's this one episode in this weird, un, like CB radio trucker underground. Here's one episode in this like legendary driver's life or whatever. And it's like I, I like that about it too. That it just feels like this is just a thing that he did one weekend. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That is cool to me. I like that about it. Yeah, I, I do like that kind of storytelling. It's just yeah, yeah, no, it, it, yeah. It, and and the um, the the soundtrack is great too. That Eastbound and Down song was mm-hmm. written for this movie by Jerry Reed, the guy that plays. Uh, the truck driver plays snowman. Um, apparently, the day after filming wrapped up, like he had pri- at the beginning of the movie, he promised Hell Needham the song. He's like, "I'm gonna write a song for your movie. You have my word for it." And it got to the end of filming, and they're like, "Hey, man, where's the song?" <laughs> and so he wrote it the day before he was supposed to deliver it to the director. Oh after a night of drinking, and he just like sang it for the director <laughs> like on the spot and like that was the song and it's like a minor hit right yeah. like it's a known song yeah, it's not it, a bad song it's a good song it's yeah. a really good song and yeah they play it like two or three times in this movie it's the theme song to the show he's bound and down uh, which is also very good and <laughs> in the namesake of that show and the namesake of the show and yeah. it's yeah just a solid country song <laughs> and he wrote it like while he was probably still drunk I, I could have done with one less play of the song. That feels very 70s, right? Where yeah. Play the song, maybe a little bit too much. Oh, yeah. 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 We watched another movie like that where it was like the same song kept getting played. It was The Graduate. Was it The Graduate? Oh, yeah. The Graduate does that. <laughs> the Graduate does that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Doctor, didn't Dr. Strangelove kind of do that where they had like a repetitive song? I don't recall. Maybe. Back. Yeah, it was like the the sort of like March song. Oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. see the plane. Da, 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 I was like, all right. Da, 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 da. I was like, all right. I could have used yeah. like. Well, that's right. their theme music. Know, you got to use know, it every know, time. It, it seems kind of ironically and and strange though. It it is, but it's still like that's still right, a lot. Like, and that's an annoying song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but this one, like, I'm totally fine listening to Eastbound and Down one more time. If that song's just good, I'm, I'm into it. They had, like, another song, too, in this, right? There's a few. There's like, a bunch of country music. Yeah. 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 Oh, Southern Pride. A lot of banjos. Mm-hmm. A lot of banjos. A lot yeah. of fiddles. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so I looked up the, um, the the history of this Coors bootlegging thing. and like I was curious about why? that, considering how basic of a beer that is now. There is an explanation. Um, so apparently... There was a time in the 70s when there were states had drastically different rules about how pasteurized they required their beers to be. Oh, yeah, it's an interstate like commerce clause. Yes, issue. that's exactly yeah. what it is. And so apparently in the western part of the country, they did not require beers to be pasteurized generally in most states, while in the eastern part of the country, generally they did. And Coors at this time was not pasteurized. And so that means that it, in order to be safe to drink, it had to be chilled at all times you can't like leave it out like there or it becomes unsafe um and i guess out east they didn't want to deal with that so you had to actually really bootleg cores across state lines and it was illegal to do that and that's how nascar racing started right really where they weren't they they were bootlegging and then they, they just got into the car park oh i thought that'd be like moonshine or something 
I have no idea. I, I, this I, is the first I'm hearing of it. Well, I know that NASCAR started because of bootlegging. Yeah. I don't know if it was because of this like East-West divide pasteurization. <clears throat> okay. So we could be mixing up different histories. But NASCAR was originally like like a, a bootlegging thing, and then it, it, it turned into like a racing oh, thing yeah. out of that. This is news to me. Yeah, cool. So, so it was formed by a bunch of bandits getting together and racing each other. Exactly. Just yes. Like this movie. So, because yeah, this this movie was um, written by written, uh, directed, and uh, by Hal Needham, and he did the stunts as well. So he was very involved. Really, he yeah. was evidently Burt Reynolds' roommate, or at least the guy that lived in Burt Reynolds', Reynolds like pool house. Okay, <laughs> they would just like mostly ships of the night. Like apparently they didn't see each other that often because they would just both had busy schedules. And then one day Hal Needham just approaches Burt Reynolds with this movie that he wrote, like on a bunch of legal pads. And says so like you should star in my movie. Like here, here, here you go. And he did. And like it was this huge hit. We'll give you a bunch of money. Yeah, so, yeah, basically. I mean, it looks like they shot it for zero dollars. Yeah, it's like well, it, right because uh, evidently they asked um, Pony. Who makes Trans Am? Pontiac, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They asked Pontiac for six Trans Ams, and they gave them four. Okay. They asked them for like ten of whatever Bonnevilles that the um, Duford is driving. They yeah. gave him like. Six, sure. and so like they, by the time they got to the end of the movie, they were on the last Trans Am. Oh just, man! Like wasn't starting anymore, so they had to like use another vehicle to like push it to like, get it to roll the last. Few feet <laughs> oh that they man! To finish the movie. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and, like that was it. I mean, Grand Ams are not like known for their longevity. Right. It does. It does look like a very cool car. In the movie, I mean yeah, that car right. is iconic because of this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think they call it the Flaming Chicken or something like that. Cool, but yeah, apparently Pontiac would not give them as many as they asked for. They, and then, they must have wrecked one doing the bridge job. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's not driving away from that. <laughs> yeah. That was very well done. I saw it. I was like, cool the bottom's like totally smashed on that car. Oh yeah, you would ruin yeah. the suspension and the frame. Shot. Yeah. I mean, it's always sad when you go behind the reality of these car stunts, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if we talked about Dukes of Hazard and how they were like <laughs> they, they were destroying so many chargers doing all these stunts that it like <laughs> meaningfully reduced the supply of chargers in the world. <laughs> And they were like gonna run out of chargers doing that show. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. But yeah. yeah, apparently for the sequel, they um, got like thirty transams from Pontiac. I mean, this is like literally the best marketing they possibly well, could have ever gotten for the exactly. Firebirds. It does look cool, and those yeah. are like known to be terrible cars to drive. Like the control yeah. of it is awful okay like, that's kind of how muscle like, cars always a, were right yeah you need like a real professional driver to like be able to pull off pull off those turns like you you must know in bullet like in the chase in san francisco mm -hmm. the they use a mustang in that one right yeah it's a mustang and a charger mm -hmm. yeah the <clears throat> mustang just like kept missing like they could not <laughs> make the turn on the san francisco oh. street and they had yeah. to like they had to do something, they had to shoot it, like, I, I forget the actual, like, outcome. They had to do something absurd to, like, make it work, because mm -hmm. just, they just don't turn like that. They're not, like... Yeah, they always joke about muscle cars having power, but no handling. Yeah, it's not a Ferrari. It's not meant to, like, yeah. do the Italian, you know, roads. Right, and, and like, this, the, in yeah. this movie, Hell Needham, like, does a lot of really sharp turns. Like, it seems like the cops are constantly setting up roadblocks right before some dirt road. Yeah. And he, like, takes a lot of, like... Really dramatic turns. I'm impressed by all the like power slides he keeps doing to make a sharp turn. So it looks really cool. So yeah. many. Yeah. Um, so and I guess that was him. Like that was the director that was doing all those stunts. That's impressive. And the, yeah. the truck even looked hard to 
like, oh, shit. Pull some oh yeah. Did, like, I was concerned <laughs> that a truck was going to roll over. It, it was yeah. cruising. Yeah. Do you remember the turn it made? At, like, I think it was like the very end of the movie yes. where it turns into the festival and there's like people there and yeah. stuff. Like, and they I had think, to miss all that. They had to do that stuff. Yeah, like th- those those bottles, of course, <laughs> are, are fucking <laughs> smashed. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. I think I know which one you're talking about. I was like, there's no way that fucking vehicle can do that. Like, there has yeah, to be something else going so on. So, I, like, look closely at that scene because... You, you have to imagine maybe they fast-forwarded a slower scene, right? But I didn't sure. see any indications that it was fast-forwarded. I wonder if they just did that. I have no idea. It's, I bet they just did it. Yeah, yeah. and that's super impressive. You they can also do like things that. like you can weight the truck. Like you put yeah. all you put a bunch of sure. weight on one side so then uh, like it can make the turn. Yeah. But then like would topple if you were to go the other direction. Right, <laughs> but you yeah, just need it for the one scene. Um, and I imagine they're doing stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah, I, I do not know. I like that this movie opened with... Um, truck races like apparently yeah. people just race semi trucks just like one after another after another in like a drag race format um, which again it's like here we are in like this alternate reality where everybody really really cares about racing cars and trucks well again everybody yeah. did though this is like 1977 so it's like the heart of you know car culture yeah, I, and I guess we did get like yeah. plenty of movies in that era that are like not just the, the like bullet and stuff like that but you know, uh, you look at Greece, for instance, right? Like mm-hmm. a movie that's not thought of as a car movie, like still has this car racing scene. You look at uh, Rebel Without a Cause, right? Like that's the the climax of the movie. It's that that car racing scene. Um, so yeah, maybe that's just a thing. I also feel like this is maybe like sort of like I don't I don't know this for a fact, but like it, it feels like it's sort of the beginning of like Southern culture being cool. Um, Briefly, cause, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like Dukes of Hazard is like around this time. Mm-hmm. There's a James Bond in like the '80s that's also set in. Oh yeah, Live and Let Die. Yeah, Live and Let Die Wallace. is also like a, a southern movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why I was kind of turned off by this movie, but <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely felt like sort of the tip of like, oh, this is like southern cool culture. Yeah, yeah. but I, it felt like it was southern cool culture that was like also. Anti-racist, at least on some level, like it's consciously saying. some level. <laughs> the stars and bars are featured very, uh, yeah, right, on the yeah. bad guy's vehicle. No, right. no, no, no. The, the, the Pontiac, like, rolls out of the truck and oh, you yeah, get a close-up right. of the yeah. Confederate flag on the front license plate. And it's featured yeah. all throughout the film. Yeah. Right, but, like, the cops are portrayed as racist and they're also portrayed as stupid and bad. Yeah, it yeah. seems like th- he's more, like... They're tying the like that like southern heritage with like being kind of like a rebel seems to be like what they're yes. tying it to, which yeah. we know is like a they a, do that in Duke's Hazard too. It's yes. got the Confederate flag right up on top of the car. Yeah, yeah. I think that that is unexamined in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> very obviously. I mean, I think it's just like oh, they're in the South and like they normally do this, which which is, is true to today. Kind of like a scary yeah. picture into that culture, right? Yeah. And it's still true to this day, apparently, yeah. and it's just the reality of it. Yeah, no, I think that that is. That is in the movie as well, but like, they did not need that the throwaway lines about you know having the villain say like, well, what is the world coming to? Yeah, when he sees the black sheriff or whatever it is. Um, so I mean, that's something, right? Yeah. Um, and like this movie, it's kind of the only overt political statement the movie makes. Well, they're also like allied with these like black restaurateurs, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Who like helped them out like later in the movie? Right. Well, and the yeah. guys that were driving the hearse for yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs> yes. That's one of the funnier things to me. Um, so yeah, I, I, there there was some of that. Um, but yeah, this is, nobody would call this a political film. Um, no, and that's, that, those are not its goals. Um, what do we think about uh, Sally Fields? Like, how did how did her character play? 
We talked about her a little bit, but not. I think she's a good contrast to the bandit where she's like, she seems like much more grounded. She's uh, like, she has a vocation. She's uh, a Broadway dancer. Um, It's just like trying to make it. Um, Name drops Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, Yeah, I I chuckled a bit at that. (laughs) I did not expect that. Um, Versus like the bandit who's a part of like this weird subculture. She's kind of like our avenue into that because she's like, what are you all doing? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then she's like on board for it. Right. She gradually yeah. gets into it and like. And drives for and, like. And drives good, for like, She drives really minutes. well. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, I like when they try to switch spots. He's like, all right, this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They try twice. Yeah. yeah. Dude, he says, um, I, I saw them do this on TV. Right? Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It looked easier on the movies or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That was, that was pretty good. Um, so I, yeah, I like her a lot here. I like that it starts with her rejecting marriage. I like that like she has an opportunity to leave and makes an affirmative choice not to to go mm-hmm. with him. I like that she makes the first move. Then when they very likely sleep together um, at the at the break where people do that, I <laughs> at, guess at the truck stop. <laughs> yeah, or in the middle of the woods, whatever the hell that was. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that about the character. And then she's also the Sally Fields and just you know like charming and funny because that's. No, she is. Yeah, she was really fun. Yeah. Played off well with the bandit. Yeah. And yeah. it was really cool to see her, like, kind of play along, I guess, and, like, get into the world and join right. in. Right, yeah. She okay. fit in really well. Yeah, so, which makes her such a, a good audience surrogate in that respect. Although one moment that really cracked me up was when he was talking with, like, a really flirty girl that he clearly had a history with and then yes. they cut back to the car and Sally Fields has this disgusting look on her face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, yeah, that I was so that funny. That was good. Because, um, yeah, all the, all the girls have banned it, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and Burt Reynolds' performance here, like, it's easy to just say he's a movie star and he's being Burt Reynolds, but, like, he, he brings, like, this casualness to everything that he does yeah. that I think is really effective here, right? It, it, it reads as very Southern to me and also like a, such a good counter to the Buford character who is so high-strung and high-wired the whole time. It reads like he got up, did a line, smoked a joint, <laughs> yeah. and then rolled over and like into the car. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean like, like... Like waking up in the clothes that he was just like in yesterday. Which is just what they're going for, yeah. right? And it's totally effective. To, to me, it felt like I wanted him to act just a bit more. Like, okay. it felt oh, a little too casual for he's me. He's awful. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's he's not an actor. <laughs> he's is this just how he always is? Yes, he's terrible. I don't think I've seen anything else. Oh, there's famously time. clips from the this, this sequel to this movie, like Outtakes, where he's talking with Sally Field, and Sally Field, like, knows all the lines. Wait, didn't and they he's, like, put this out? They, didn't they put that uh, outtake... In the credits of Anchorman? Yes. Yes. That, that's that's that where was. that comes from. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, and he just like clearly doesn't know the lines. And, oh my god. Like, yeah, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah. Because up till now, that's the only Burt Reynolds I've seen was the outtake in the credits of Anchorman. Yeah, well, that's, and, uh, that's like his modus operandi. Right. Like, uh, right. Like, like, and and that's uh, like speaking of Boogie Nights, that's part of the reason that Paul Thomas Anderson is so extraordinary, right? That he can he takes. Actors like Burt Reynolds and Adam Sandler, and it's like, oh yeah, here's like a totally gutting, wrenching performance that's going to be the best thing you do in your career, right? And and Mark Wahlberg, for that matter. <laughs> Although apparently, yeah, PTA and and Reynolds did not get along no. at all. Like, it was, no, it was, not at all. Yeah. Both Reynolds and Wahlberg disavowed that movie. 
yeah. after it came out. Um, so yeah, like he, so you've seen him in that at least because we watched. Yeah, it a while that's ago. true. But like before um, then, right, right. Because yeah. um, he's one of like sometimes you hire an actor and you like you're, you're hiring an actor, and sometimes you hire an actor and you're hiring like a person. Right. Yeah, well, he's just a very good-looking person, right? right? And, yeah. and he has a type, yeah. and he has like a persona that you're you're you want in your movie, and sometimes that's fine. And like, there are plenty of good actors that deliver that, yeah, right. And like, some do it better than others, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that it's that necessarily makes them bad, right? Like, it, like Tom Cruise is that way, right? Like, mm-hmm. you put Tom Cruise in your movie, you know, you're getting Tom Cruise. He's still one of our best actors, period, um, and about better actor than Burt Reynolds, but in that a similar mold, <laughs> I think. Um, and so I think that's fine. I think it's fine to just like have your niche and your type and your you know thing that you bring to the film, but not every actor can be a chameleon, right? Like not every actor is going to inhabit the role, right? And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that really drove mm-hmm. 1977 home for me was uh, so they get to the warehouse in Texas. Yeah. In the Cletus, the trucker, steps down out of the truck and he kind of like jogs to the back of the truck. Yeah. And the the pants that he's wearing are like really the bell bell bottoms <laughs> oh, just like yeah. flare up as he's running. <laughs> and uh, Reynolds is wearing like comically tight pants yes. too throughout. <laughs> oh god. Um, and it's just like, yeah. wow, this is like really like they weren't joking when like they're making fun of this for like seventies culture, right? right. Again, into it, right? Like I, yeah. I, I like that's one of my favorite things about watching older movies like that are contemporary at the time. Like, is that it feels like this window into a different, a different world and a different time, and I really like that about it. It's just well, how things were, and yeah. yeah it, but what it really feels like is that there was like no costuming choices here. They just like showed up on set, and yeah. like this is what they were wearing, and so there like, probably weren't like yeah, that's like they. A week before shooting, apparently did a reasonable amount of research on this movie. But like a week before shooting, they had like a four point four million dollar budget, something like that. Mm-hmm. And some dude from the studio comes in like right beforehand and is like, "Actually, you have a million less than that." And oh man, which like just slashes their budget by a huge margin. So maybe they did say, "Okay, I guess we're not buying any costumes for anybody," right? Like, who knows? Maybe that is just what's in Burt Reynolds' closet. They That's, didn't need to do any more than that, I think. Yeah, and it, and it, it totally functions. It, it works just fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to like the time capsule nature of this. Yeah, which is film. kind of one of yeah. my favorite things about it. I thought it was real good. I was impressed by when they had the police car go under the truck and have it clean slice off the <laughs> yeah. ceiling. Like, that was a really cool shot, and they like got the whole scene <clears throat> on camera. And I don't remember if it was the it was the same shot that they had the people like come back out of it. So yeah. I don't know if they had people in the car while they were cutting off the top of it. It seems incredibly it seems, dangerous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It seems really dangerous, but yeah, really I, impressive. I can't imagine they had a great insurance policy for... Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who the hell knows? Because, yeah, this is just a movie some guy wrote, <laughs> right? And somehow got funded. A stunt guy wrote. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. director and... The Needhams yeah. are like a known family now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's now like a family business. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Probably largely on the strength of this movie, I would... I'd, I would imagine. I'd imagine, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that does remind me. I was thinking through all the times when the police car, the the sheriff's car gets beat up because it ends up as like basically nothing by the end of the movie. Yeah. There's one scene that stood out to me as very strange is when this random Japanese trucker who's still wearing a Texas hat because they're all in the South 
like drives by and like says bonsai and knocks down their door and i was like what just happened <laughs> did that just happen Wait, i think i might have and they this. they played some i remember that i was they, like damn that was really racist i was like what the fuck yeah. was that right did that actually just happen they played some like pseudo asian southern music yes yes oh and i'm like why totally did that just this. happen i believe you thought this happened but i'm totally and like i spent a while processing because i wasn't sure if he looked fully asian or not and i couldn't tell if it was just because he was wearing like a cowboy hat mm-hmm and like a lot of makeup or something like that, but he definitely said bonsai as he knocked Wild. down the That's sheriff's door. Kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, and I was I just had to like kind of sit down and like take a few breaths and process <laughs> what just happened. It was so weird. Yeah, I remember. I was like, damn, that was racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that definitely yeah. is. And obviously, like that character never comes back, and that it just it happened. Yeah, it, it's, happened. it's just like a throwaway like racist joke. In the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and that would happen. So I mean, well before the seventies as well, but yeah. after the seventies too, into the eighties. Yeah, after you'd get those throwaway. Just here's a funny. Sounding Asian person. I mean, we watched uh, uh, the Sophia Coppola movie. Yeah, yeah. Which made all, like, all those jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That, yeah. Was, that one didn't hold That was a racist movie. That was a racist movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, any uh, any closing thoughts on, on Smokey and the Bandit here? I, I, I feel like this is ripe. I'm amazed it hasn't been remade. That's true. Uh, yes. Because this feels like ripe for it. And it, it could be done well. Like, this could be a it was done well. A great movie. <laughs> yeah. This is a great movie. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. It, especially because it's such a star vehicle, right? Like yes. it, it would be so it, like to make a career for somebody or to like introduce a, a star mm-hmm. to an audience or something. You're just like, and a yeah. star is a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> good for marketing money. Yeah, there you go. And uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to do like good practical effects. Yes, which sure. is in vogue. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think. Part of the reason the movie holds up is because like people like did did, did those, the things yeah did those things like they yeah. they they jumped a bridge yeah mm-hmm. it destroyed you know four Trans Am oh that reminds me I was like oh I have no idea that um, Road Trip was referencing that scene oh yeah I guess there was. which scene yeah. Ro- the the bridge jumping scene oh, okay. is like identical to the there's a scene in Road Trip where okay. they, they jump a bridge. I feel like, like I that. saw that movie, but I don't remember this happening. So I don't remember much well, of that movie. It happens anyway. In okay, Road yeah. Trip. Yeah, seems plausible. That that's your. I'm sure this movie's been referenced a lot, and I just didn't yeah. catch it all. Yeah, but I just I now realize that it was a reference to Smoking the Bandit. Okay, yes. well I, I I did not make that connection. Yeah, but I certainly believe you. That's I'd be totally down fair. for a remake. I, I I like this archetype of movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It's an easy way to set up a lot of sweet car stunts, and uh, I'd like that to come back. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess we kind of got it with Baby Driver, like that it had some sweet car stunts. Yes, um, and that movie was great. I liked yeah. it a lot. There yeah. there seems to be a group of people that don't like Baby Driver. I wonder if it's I a Kevin it's Spacey like, thing. No, I think some people just found it kind of like too like twee or cute. No, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's okay with me. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I did too. And a, a large part of the reason it worked so well is the the driving and like all the practical driving effects. Yeah, right. and they were all extremely well done. So yeah, I'm always down for more. More of that, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And like we we've talked before about the rise in like very specific genre movies. I guess I think you were mentioning that yes. with like Mandy. Yes. And so I mean, there's room for these kinds of movies to be made now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, I I don't know how much money Baby Driver made. Um, but probably not a ton. Probably not a ton. But still, yeah. like, how how much does it really cost to 
to do this. Like, it's hard to do it, to actually do it, like, for the stunt folks. But Apparently, it might be cheaper to blow up a bunch of cars than to make a ton of CGI, so. Maybe, yeah. That's that's totally plausible. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, like, what you're shooting for. I think what's good about Baby Driver and kind of what works about this movie is that <clears> it's a small story. <clears throat> and if you're always trying to save the world, that's when you know your budget is yeah. right. enormous. And, and it's, again, a thing yeah. that worked so well with John Wick. Right, like yes. he, it very exactly. pointedly was not about saving the world. It was about revenging the death of his dog, and like yeah. that, I, I I like that we're going smaller, right? Like well, that's he, my concern with the John Wick sequels, right? I mean, yeah. that's a bit of a separate point, but they're getting bigger and bigger, and so we're kind of yeah, like the John going out of control. Wasn't that as good? Yeah, it, it wasn't. It was still fine. Yeah, like it, it, the, all the action was still really, really top notch. The absolute best that you're gonna get. Yep. right now. But it kind of had a sequelitis problem, yeah. right? Like it, it was definitely setting up the next. They're one. jumping the shark. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what three is. We will. Like, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still super down for it. It's oh, just yeah. not as good as the first one, but yeah. still, it's but, sweet. But no, like, it, I mean, if that, if the John Wick movies, if Atomic Blonde, Fury Road, uh, all of these, Baby Driver, Baby right? Driver, The Raid, like if, if these are indicators of practical effects of stunt people becoming more central, like. Are it, it, of that being true, then I think that's a good thing, right? I think that's yeah. a, that I want to see more of those kind of movies. It's cool to just see the guy do the thing, right? I agree, absolutely. Good. Yeah. Okay. Good. I do agree. Uh, so we'll be back in a moment with things we've seen, and we're back with things we've seen. This is a section where we talk about other movies we've seen recently that were not picked for the podcast. So, Wilson, what have you seen recently? Um, I watched Her Smell, which has a very unfortunate name, but it was actually a pretty good movie. I saw it at the new um, uh, Nighthawk in uh, Prospect Park, so I just opened this up about a month, a month and a half ago, so this was my first movie there. Um, it's not as good as the Alamo, but you know, it's still a fine theater that they serve food at your, th- at your seat. Um, this, is star- this one stars Elizabeth Moss. Um, she plays like an early 90s era rock star who has a drug problem, um, so it tracks pretty closely with like the rise and fall of the rock star type of story so it mo- most recently it feels like somewhere between Fox Lux and Star is Born um, the, yeah <laughs> as, as one as one would expect uh, the difference here is really Elizabeth Moss um, so usually what you see especially with like Star is Born is a basically all fall Right, like you have this character that is like basically incoherent, unable to communicate or interact with the world around him because he's so like deeply invested in his drug abuse. The way Elizabeth Moth plays that character is, yes, she has what appears to be a narcissistic personality disorder. She cannot understand how to interact with her, her other bandmates, her manager, things like that. But she's also hyperverbal and very smart. So she, she plays the character as somebody who it, is not so much succumbing to something, but choosing something, and then like has to eventually make another choice, which is an interesting way to track how addiction functions, mm-hmm. and that it, it can be something that like, you can exert some control over, and it can be something that can take control over bright, articulate people, which is how she, how she plays the character. Uh, the movie plays out in five uh, vignettes, so to speak, which makes it more similar to Box Lex, if everyone, anyone saw that movie, which I actually thought was pretty good and very bizarre. Um, w- one at a, like a reunion show um, after the fact, and it becomes clear that she's kind of a corny love character, like 
that sounds like the breeders, right? Like that kind of thing, mm -hmm. which I think is where the name comes from, right? So it, like her smell is a, a Nirvana reference, right? It smells like Gene Spirit, her smell. Mm -hmm. um, the, there, there's another sequence where they're trying to record their next album and the younger band shows up to kind of, that is going to be replacing them, but also admires the Elizabeth Moss character. Uh, there's another one where they're supposed to be opening for this younger band, but she never shows up. And like, that's like where she really hits rock bottom. And then the movie takes another turn kind of away from the Star is Born model, where at the end of that movie, the guy kills himself and Lady Gaga has to like come in and, you know, be the star. But in this one, she basically recovers. Like she goes to, uh, she retreats to her house somewhere in the woods. She makes amends. She like has actually hit rock bottom at this point. She goes sober. And then there is a fifth act where there is this second reunion show and the camera is stabilized. It's less claustrophobic. She's able to talk to people in a normal way. It's clear that there are still temptations and that she still wants to get a drink. She still wants to do a line, but doesn't. Mm -hmm. And there is still some tension among her bandmates and among her family and that she has kind of just run off at some point, but she's not. She's just waiting to get on stage. And it's kind of this nice moment. And it's nice to see a rise, fall, you know, rock star movie that has an ending that shows that, that your life does not need to end when you become addicted that you can recover from it, that it doesn't need to be something that is a conclusion to who you are, that it can be something that you can learn from and overcome. Um, and it was, it was a refreshing movie in that sense, anchored by this really strong performance from, from Moss. Um, so it, it, again, unfortunately, is called Her Smell, um, but it was really good, and I, I liked it a lot. It seems counter to like a lot of like 80s and 90s drug. Mm -hmm. Like drug use in movies is usually shown, shown to be like, a character fall that is like unrecoverable yeah and it like drives a lot of plot like um very pointedly doesn't do that yeah which is nice. which feels refreshing because now we're that feels like a very reactionary way of, mm -hmm. of dealing with drugs where like once you're down the hole you're like lost yeah and like you can't you'll never be recovered as a person or right and it, yeah. it, it i mean it, it underlines that point because the bassist in her band also has a drug problem right like there, there are scenes where she's like goes and does a bump in the bathroom, but she's like able to function, right? And like she butts heads with the Elizabeth Moss character because she's so far gone and like so unable to handle drugs while she is also high a lot of the time and just a higher functioning addict. <laughs> that during that same fourth scene where they're, where they're making amends, that character who is still like able to basically get through her life, it gives her the same speech. Yeah, I'm, I'm in recovery too. Yeah, I needed to get sober too, right? So. Addiction affects different people in different ways, and it manifests in different ways in their lives. And like mm -hmm. depicting, actually depicting that in the movie, like feels felt significant to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I listened to another podcast um, called Street Fight, and both one or both of the hosts are, are like ex addicts, mm -hmm. and they they have like interesting stories about trying to get sober and going to like a recovery center or whatever. And talking about like how that experience is actually like really negative and like not helpful, mm. and so for them they go into a lot about like how getting getting off drugs is like a different journey for everybody. For them, they're like they're fine, like using other drugs, but it was just like pain medicine for them was like their vice, right. and the way that they dealt with it was sort of like switching over to less dangerous drugs. 
Sure. And but that would never have been possible at this like recovery center, which was like a twelve step program, which works for some people, but not everybody. Right. And so it's interesting to hear sort of like real stories about people who like acknowledge that you know not everybody like gets sober the the same way, mm-hmm. and right. soberness is like different for everybody. And for them, they're like, yeah, like drugs are cool. Like we still want to like do drugs. Like <laughs> right. And, and, Right. Yeah, and, and it, uh, but I, I feel like coming out of like someone as someone who grew up in the 90s and went through dare that was like ne- never a storyline that right I ever interacted with right and yeah. I, I don't think the movie is quite going that radical with their statement but no, I, I, I assume not, it's not but, yeah but yeah. they don't have Moss entering a 12-step program which is what happened in Star is Born right mm-hmm. they have her just like go to this house that like is apparently her childhood home and they have this really touching scene where her daughter, that she's basically been had no interaction with her her entire life, she just like play um, heaven. That's that Brian Adams song, heaven. Like they play like a stripped down version of that song on the piano, and I think Moss actually sings it, hmm. and she sounds really good. Like it, and it feels like she's actually playing guitar in this movie too, and was like reasonably competent. Um, and it's a, a really touching moment, right? Mm-hmm. And like that's the kind of stuff that they're showing. It leads to recovery, just like connecting with the people that are close to you in your life. Um, and that worked really well for me. It was really good. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a lot more like addiction stories like in the camp. Like we're just being like ravaged by <laughs> mm-hmm. the opioid crisis. So it feels like a very fertile area for storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it has not been treated well to date. Yeah, and this feels more nuanced than most most addiction stories um, and happier, happier than most addiction stories, which is mm-hmm. nice too. Like that it's something that you can you can get over. Like that, you can live on. You can live on after. Yeah. Um, so yeah. The, again, the movie is, is her smell. Uh, easy recommend. Yeah. Go go check nice. it out. Uh, what did you watch, Preston? Um I finally got around to seeing First Reformed. Oh God, I love this movie. Um, it's it's a doozy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's not what I expected because um, I knew the general plot outline. So mm-hmm. the it, it's 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 centered around a, a priest and one of his flock comes to him. And says that she, uh, she's pregnant, and her husband um, is sort of morally conflicted about the nature of like bringing a child into the world uh, at at the sort of like beginning of the climate apocalypse that mm-hmm. we all exist in, um, and kind of uh, the it sort of goes from there, in, in that the priest kind of um, sort of like ends up falling on the side of. Um, he's pers- he's of the persuaded. Yeah, he's yeah. persuaded and yeah. and um, decides to um, do do something very drastic about climate change um, mm-hmm. because his church uh, is kind of like a small part of like a, a larger mega church network, um, and that network receives a lot of money from like a local industrialist mm-hmm. who is like ruining the environment. So he kind of like has an opportunity to like. Do something about this, um, and the place. I, I was expecting it to sort of him to like jump into like an environmental like terrorist group. No, he goes and solo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead, he, yeah, he decides to like kind of do things by by himself. So I was surprised by that because I'd heard it. I heard it described a number of times, and was expecting it to go in that direction. Um, it's it's hard to talk about without like giving too much away. Yes. But one of the major themes of the movie is that to 
live live as he says that he wants to, like as a priest, he needs to like bring himself closer to the actual life of Christ. Um, and that is not a great life and sort of like him having to like make that choice is, is really interesting. Yeah, that, that's it what I was saying. not what I was expecting out of the film. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that I found, because this is my favorite movie yeah. that came out last year. I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, and what I found so compelling about it, among many things, was that it, it depicts a man taking his faith very seriously. And not just in the way where he like has a set of rules and he has to follow those rules, but he has a set of principles and he has to apply them to the world. Yeah, he wants to be Christ-like. Yeah. And he, he that means sacrificing... Everybody. Your life at, yeah. at some point, yeah, yeah, and that I think was a, a really, a really important conversation, yeah, I think, and also just really maturely handled in this movie, and and it just like it, it, it treated it with the gravity that it deserved, yeah. Uh, this is another movie about addiction, yeah, because he's an alcoholic, yeah, for but sure. He's he, like being blood a lot of the movie, right? He's yeah. a, a bad. The severe alcoholic. Like the the iconic imagery from this movie is him pouring a bunch of Pepto Bismol into his whiskey cup. <laughs> like, yeah, that can't taste good. He's also a functioning alcoholic. Yeah, he's doing his job. Um, but what's interesting, and kind of like the movie you were just talking about, the movie yeah. doesn't really seem to judge him for that. He yeah, if, it, to... if anything, it's saying like this is a reasonable response to what's going on in the world, right? Like, this is <laughs> or and what happened to him personally. It's revealed early in the film that yeah. he, he lost a child yes. and his marriage. Um, and that alcoholism was a reasonable reaction to like what he yeah, or at least to. an understandable one. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think is what they're saying there. Um, so yeah, and I, he's like totally fine. Otherwise, like he's not like stumbling around. Well, right. his health is suffering quite a bit, but he's not like mm -hmm. out of control. Right, like he's not driving around for his life. Or, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, th this was uh, Ethan Hawke, um, who by some miracle didn't get any awards for this. Um, Paul Schrader wrote it. The movie was like largely ignored, right? It got like one nomination. For... I think it was a, a screenwriting nomination. Yeah. It didn't win, um, which is flabbergasting because it's. I think it's yeah. too dark. It, it's yeah. just like. Okay, it's yeah. not flabbergasting because, yeah, it's obvious why this didn't win. But <laughs> it still should have won. It was still the, the best one. Um, so the, you do with that what you will. Uh, I, I did yeah, like what the film did, though, that where it was like. All, all these, and it's easy to say this as a non-believer, but it sort of points to sort of like different styles of people who attend church mm -hmm. or are involved in the church. And it it's good about saying that specifically some people are doing this for self-gain. Self mm -hmm. And even though they espouse the, the teachings, do not, do not, uh, do anything to enact that in their lives. Yeah, like they're really. They, it points to a couple of characters as being really charlatans. Yeah, in the film, but it does it in a very nuanced way. They're, it's it's not like uh, a film where it's like, oh yeah, that guy. He's, yeah, he's not he's, wearing a top hat and a monocle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't like walk around with like bags with dollar symbols on it. Right. Like <laughs> it's 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 pretty nuanced. Like take on things. Yeah, and it's played. It's yeah. like a. A, a realist film in terms of just its tone and its approach, right? Like, it's, it's certainly a drama, but, like, yeah. these people talk like people, and they basically behave how people would behave. It's just that one guy has reached the logical conclusion of his faith when, when he's interacting with the world around him. Yeah. And it's like, mm -hmm. how does that guy function in the actual world? 
um, and it turns out that it's radically and destructively is how he functions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think this is a fascinating movie, um, and and kind of should be required viewing because the the questions that it poses about the environment and like what we need to do about it are serious and legitimate, and it's we need to it's be pretty addressing. stunning. Although I feel like in the last um, six months, it's there's definitely. I think a, a group of people who've taken the wrong message away from this movie. What message is that? That you you should agree with the husband, but you shouldn't have children. Oh. And sort of like self-immolate into time. You, you... And, and I'm not sure, I don't think that's what this movie is trying to say. I think what this mm-hmm. movie is saying is that like, it's fine to have children, you just need to like do something about what's happening. And like you should engage with it that way. It, well, and also yeah. I, I think it's saying that it's a legitimate question, and that like struggling with that question is understandable. That's true, but I think yeah. that the film falls on the side of it's it's okay to have children. Okay, and and like there's going to be a future, and we can we can do something about this. Like it. Well, it depends. It's a, how it's you a dark read. film, but I, I feel like it had like a hopeful. Depends ending. how you read the end. Yes. Right, because it was intentionally written ambiguously. Um, as yeah. to, uh, so here's the spoiler. Like everybody hears the spoiler about how the movie ends, about whether or not he actually blows himself up. Yes. Right, like it's intentionally because I read an interview with Paul Schrader about this, where he it, he is looking, he's in that room at the above the church at the end of the film, and he looks away and he looks back, and suddenly the Amanda Seyfried character is there. Yeah. Right, and like they have their embrace, and the camera is all of a sudden moving in a way that it's never moved before. And like it doesn't make any sense for her to embrace him while he is wrapped up in all these wires, and evidently for Schrader, like the point of that movie is that you you are able to read that as something that happened after he died, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are able to read that as him having gone downstairs, set off the bomb that he has strapped to his chest, and blown up the church and killed everybody inside. I. I would be. That feels like a stretch. Like you would. You have. This is no, no. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But the document still exists, and we can. We can look at it. Um, That you would have to fill in a lot of narrative to get to that point. Yeah. Well, you'd have to fill in him like walking downstairs and doing it. That's what you'd have to fill in. Yeah. Yeah. And Schrader's intent here, as the the director and writer, was for that to be open to both readings. That's Uh, interesting. Take that for what you will. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I think this is a great movie. Yeah, it's really good. Like it. And I think it's the best performance. It's, it's a tense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Again, not a happy film. No, no, not at, at all. At any point, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my pick? It is your pick for next week. Yeah. It's my pick for next week. Okay, so um, I'm going to go with one that I've been meaning. This one, this is a pick for me. So my prior picks have been picks that like are big popular movies that I have somehow avoided. This is, this is a popular movie, but it's also like an art film. Um, so we're going to do Paris, Texas. Um, this, this is Wim Vendor's. Um, the only other movie of his that I've seen is Wings of Desire, which is a kind of a weird movie. So I'm hoping this one is similarly like weird and thoughtful. Um, and Harry Dean Stanton in a leading role, which doesn't happen very often. So Paris, Texas. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, I hope you guys are too. Thank you for listening. Um, if you're liking the show, please like, comment, share. We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We are on Apple, Apple iTunes. That's what iTunes is. Uh, Google Play. Um, I feel like we're on something else as well. Twitter. Um, so come check us out. Please share us with your friends and join us next week for Paris, Texas. <laughs>